0: You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
1: College football today.
0: It's back. College football's here, and we're full speed ahead until January. Doesn't get better than this. Joe see Rich Sermonello, live from Studio 34. We talked about the week one matchups today. Rich, some intriguing developments, though. In the state of Utah, BYU-Utah, quarterback situation, Tanner Mangum playing Portland State this weekend, Utah, Troy Williams out as
2: the starter. Yeah, big surprise. Tyler Huntley takes over, sophomore quarterback. You know, the team felt that he was going to be a better fit for an offense that's now going to go up-tempo, untraditional when it comes to Utah. You know, the Utah that we've become familiar with over the past decade under Kyle Whittingham has been more of a ground-and-pound, pro-style, conservative kind of an offense. Now they're going to speed it up a little bit, and Tyler Huntley, the young quarterback, seems to fit that better. It's going to be interesting to see how he fits into that offense and whether or not he could provide a spark – that, quite frankly, has been missing for a very long time in Salt Lake City. Yeah, that's a great
0: point because you look at both programs, 9 and 4 last year. I mean, you look at Troy Williams, an inconsistent passer, 53% completion percentage. You're talking about a team in Utah that lost four games by a total of 19 points. They get the addition, though, of former Oregon wide receiver Darren Carrington that comes over. But here's what I worry about about the quarterback change. Now a change in philosophy for... From what Kyle Whittingham has built there in terms of a, a methodical ball control attack, no Joe Williams, no Garrett Bowles there. How does that affect the defensive front seven of this team in 2017? Yeah,
2: it's a good point. I, I don't think Utah is going to be you know the type of program that can survive with an up tempo kind of an attack because this is a program that has overachieved with defense. A running game and general physicality and and they have flourished in spite of the quarterback play now we'd like to see more efficiency we'd like to see a more prolific passer i agree with that but completely turning over that system is kind of a curious move because now if the defense is on the field Every two or three minutes, you wonder if that kind of a, a tempo is going to fit what they've done so well for so long. Yeah, we'll see how that game plays out. They play North Dakota a little bit later this week. Uh, we'll see
0: it. We'll see if they win that ball game and more importantly, how the offense uh, performs in that battle. Taysom Hill and BYU, here's another team, uh, lost four games by a total of eight points. Now they face Portland State, and people will say, Portland State. This was a Portland State team that knocked off Washington State two years ago. But the more important thing is that BYU gets sort of like an exhibition before next week's game against the LSU Tigers.
2: And I think that's a real benefit. This is a tune-up. You mentioned exhibition. I agree. This is a chance to play an overmatched FCS team before going up against LSU. Let's work out the kinks in this first game. Before going up against the Tigers.
0: And the more important thing is the quarterback to wide receiver relationship in that game. And more importantly, when they face LSU without Jamal Adams and Tredavious White in week number one. Keep it where it is. This is Joe Lisi, Ritz Sermonello, live from Studio 34. Back on College Football Today, Joe Lisi, Ritz Sermonello, talking week number one. College football doesn't get better than this. We're going to wait for former Nebraska wide receiver Jordan Westerkamp to get on the line. But Rich, we spoke about BYU, we spoke about Utah, new quarterback in place there. Let's turn our attention to P.J. Fleck and Minnesota opening up against Buffalo A light opponent week number one, but an offensive philosophy change from a ground and pound attack with Tracy Clays to now a more wide open offense that only passed for nine touchdowns last season.
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm excited about PJ Fleck in Minnesota. I think he gets a familiar opponent, a light opponent, but a familiar opponent from the MAC. And um, you know, it's an era that I think we'll we'll look back years from now as one that's uh, sort of the glory days of Minnesota football. We're gonna
0: turn gears again to another Big Ten team, a team that was nine and four in 2016. Nebraska and Mike Riley, huge optimism. What better way to talk Nebraska than with a former standout? He's live on the Fantasy Sports Celebrity Guest Line. I want to welcome in former Nebraska and NFL wide receiver Jordan Westercamp. Jordan, how are you today?
3: Hey, Rich, I'm doing well. Thank you very much for having me uh, on the show today.
0: Uh, our pleasure, our pleasure. Great season last year, 9-4 and four overall at one point th- throughout the season with Tommy Armstrong, 7-0. I want to get your take about what you feel with the new offense led by quarterback Tanner Lee. Can this team compete for a Big Ten title?
3: Well, I absolutely think so. Um, obviously, last year, um, there were a lot of seniors that are no longer there. Uh, myself, uh, Tommy Armstrong, like you had already mentioned, <clears throat> we lost um, our, our starting running back and uh, um, a couple of receivers as well with a lot of experience. So it's just... Uh, uh, you know, it'll be a different look on offense this year especially, but um, they'll do extremely well, and they'll be coached extremely well, and Tanner Lee will, will do a phenomenal job.
2: Hey, Jordan, I wanted to talk about the uh, coaching change that took place uh, late in your career. Can you talk about the philosophical changes, just the characteristic changes of going from Bo Polini to Mike Riley?
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, different different type of culture. Um, um both were both were fantastic coaches uh, and, uh it's a very unique situation for a player to go through when you have um, um a coaching change like that you know I played with Bo Pelini for two full years and um that, that was that was fantastic and I absolutely loved coach Bo and, and he's doing um, um great things now but um you know having Mike Riley come in it was just it was completely different um and and not in a bad way uh at all I mean coach Riley's awesome it's just a A different type of coach. I always like to compare uh, Coach Riley to Tony Dungy to Coach Bo, who's more like a Gruden-type coach, the guy who's more fiery in your face. Um, But uh, both fantastic coaches, and I was very fortunate to be coached by both of them. And and Coach Riley's done a phenomenal job Um, these past couple years, and he'll continue to do a great job moving forward.
0: Jordan, I'm very close to former players such as Ralph Brown, standout All-Americans for the Cornhuskers, and the one big thing I noticed in your team over the last couple of years was the secondary. Uh, Two years ago, they allowed 291 passing yards per game. Last year, they cut that down considerably, down to 215 per game, but they were much better in man-to-man coverage. How important is that group heading into the 2017 season for this group to take the next step? win a big 10 championship
3: oh it's huge you know everyone always says defense wins championships so it doesn't matter how good your offense is the defense is giving up points and yards like that but uh um, they've made huge amounts of improvement and um, that trend will continue to to go that way and um, coach Diaco is brand new but he's doing a fantastic job in there and um, it's uh it'll be really exciting just to see this this defense and, and how well they'll perform this year
2: Jordan, I don't know how much exposure you've had to Tanner Lee, the Tulane transfer. Uh, We've heard a lot of good stuff. We had uh, Jerry DiNardo from the Big Ten Network on last week, was impressed by what he does physically, but obviously we haven't seen him in big game uh, competition yet. Uh, What do you know? What have you heard? What's the general buzz about Tanner Lee at quarterback?
3: Yeah, Tanner, he's got a unique story. Obviously a transfer from Tulane, but uh, he came in, i um, obviously he had to he had to sit out sit out his year and then whatnot, but um, he, he worked his tail off and he was always working, always doing the extra things. Um, and you know, from what I saw, I was able to work with him, you know, here and there in practice, but but obviously more so with with uh, with Tommy uh, Armstrong. But uh, uh, he throws a fantastic ball. He's your prototype uh, quarterback. He's, he's big guy, big frame, can sling the rock. Um, he's really smart. Um, just a, just a good overall football player who uh, who will definitely lead this offense to, to great things this year.
0: Jordan, when you look at the rushing attack, I mean, for years Nebraska was known as a blue-collar offensive line. Their ability to wear down opposing defensive fronts in ball games was their recipe to win championships. How important is the rushing attack, not just for the offensive line or success within the Big Ten, but uh, the inexperience of Tanner Lee with this team?
3: Yeah, it's huge. It's, it'll, it'll be a, um, a big thing for them to establish a run game, obviously. Um, uh, they'll they'll want to throw the rock around, but but you'll have to establish that run game first. And they've got some great running backs still there uh, at Nebraska with Trey Bryan and um, Devine Ozigbo. I mean, they're they're both fantastic running backs, and they they both have a game experience, and, and they'll do extremely well. And uh, the offensive line, uh, led by Nick Gates, who who will be a, you know, a fantastic football player at the next level as well. Um, uh, they bring back experience, and and they'll be just fine, and, and that'll be a huge part of their game. And, and I don't see any problem with them getting that run game going
2: jordan talk a little bit about uh, your rehab you were most recently with the miami dolphins i know you're still pursuing an nfl mm-hmm. career but where are you at with your rehab how's your health and uh what's next on tap for you
3: yeah it's it's you know unfortunately had a had a, had a setback but uh i know i know those things happen and it's part of the game you, you can see it every single day on, on, the, on the ticker but um you know i'm staying positive and i'm rehabbing like crazy and I'm, my ham hammy's feeling a little bit better i'm it's getting better each day and I should be back, you know, within a week or two. Um, and, and then from there, you know, I did extremely well in Miami and, and you know, got a lot of great feedback and, um, they really, they really enjoyed me down there. So just unfortunate to have that, that injury. But, um, you know, once, once back healthy and, and, 100%, um, you know, just, just wait for the opportunity. I know my agent Eugene Lee, he's doing a fantastic job and, um, he's working his tail off. So, so once, once healthy, you know, just, get the word out and then go from there. And I've already had a couple teams contact uh, my agent, so um, I'll definitely have the opportunity just to get my body and, and, and uh, uh, you know everything else up to speed and healthy.
0: Jordan, I always like asking uh, former college players when they make the transition to the NFL, what's the biggest change that you ought to make as a player uh, on and off the field so that you can give some insight to younger athletes out there?
3: Yeah, you know, it's definitely I would say – um, you know the, the playbook's definitely a, a big change. There's there's a lot more in in an NFL playbook, a lot more lingo. Depending on what, you know what kind of offense you're coming from, um, so to speak. And and that's you know if you don't know the plays and, and you you can't figure it out, you won't be on the field. So I mean, I mean that's the same thing. You know, high school to college, but you know from college to the NFL, that's that's another big jump. So the mental part of the game is absolutely huge, and you need to spend so much time. I mean, you'll be at the the facility or, or the stadium, you know. Ten hours in a day, ten to ten to fifteen hours a day. But when you get back to your hotel at night or whatever wherever you're staying, you got to put it in an, an extra, you know, an hour, two hours, just to master that playbook. Because, like I said, if you don't, if you don't know the playbook, you're not getting on the field. And then um I would also just say, you know, all the little things that you know within your position, all like the tiny details. I mean, you know, you got to be so focused in all the time and what you're doing, or else you're, you're going to fail at this level. I mean guys everyone's fast now and everyone's you know unbelievable athletes it's the you know the, the, the top of the top you know highest level of football so everyone's fantastic at, at what they do but uh the guys that separate are the guys that do the little things well so um i would just say the mental part of the game and the guys that can really hone in and focus in on those little details
0: jordan it's always a pleasure great insight we wish you the best with the rehab and as a miami dolphin fan i i wish you would have stuck with us because i think you're a great player we hope you enjoyed it today
3: Hey, thank you very much, and who knows, I could be back at the Dolphins, so uh, we'll see what happens.
0: A great insight from Jordan Camp, and I'm glad that you brought up the Bo Pelini comment. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you why, because I'm very close with a number of Cornhuskers. Ralph Brown, former mm-hmm. All-American, Roger Craig, three-time Super Bowl champ. You know what the first thing Roger Craig told me a couple of years ago? He said that when Mike Riley got there, he wrote him a handwritten letter inviting him back to practice, which I thought... To Bo. No, No, to to, from from Mike Riley to Roger Craig, and I said, "Well, why is why is that you know important? Didn't Bo Pelini want the former players there?" He said, "No." Wow. He said that he did not embrace tradition. He did not, and that's that's coming from a three-time Super Bowl champ. Yeah. And he said that he did not want to embrace the former culture, which I found amazing.
2: Yeah, and and listen, Mike Riley was a surprise move just because he had no prior experience in that part of the country, was a Pac-12 coach, uh, was a San Diego Charger coach. He was was always on the West Coast. But his personality, he is such a community type of a guy. If they don't love him already in Lincoln, they will, provided they win. And the one thing that he does there is he coaches
0: up the offense and defensive lines. In terms of a physicality, he never had the best teams at Oregon State But I tell you what, they came to play each and every Saturday. And if you're a Nebraska fan, you got to love that. When we come back, we'll be joined by former Notre Dame captain Corey Miner. This is Joe Lisi and Ritz Sermonello live from New York, Studio 34, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's a beautiful day. College football is back. Joe Lisi, Rich Cermonello, breaking down week number one. We turn our attention. We were talking about Minnesota and P.J. Fleck. Rich, this is an intriguing game because of the offensive philosophy that we spoke about prior to Jordan Westerkamp coming on. They only had nine passing touchdowns last year. This is an offense that was predicated under Tracy Clay's ground and pound, you methodically work down the field, score points, you rely on that defensive front seven last year that only gave up around 118 rushing yards per game. Now you going to spread it up, up-tempo? That's going to be a tall order for this team. It's going to take time. Well... well Notre Dame opens up against Temple week number one, and if you want Notre Dame information, you better call up a standout. He's live on the Fantasy Sports Celebrity Guest Line. He's a good friend of the show. Want to welcome in former Notre Dame captain and NFL linebacker, Corey Miner. Corey, how are you today? Hey, I'm good, man. How
4: you guys doing, fellas?
0: We're doing great. College football is back, Corey, and and when you look at Notre Dame, a disappointing four and eight season last year under Brian Kelly, does this team have what it takes to get back to a bowl game, or more importantly, a possible college football playoff appearance?
4: So first off, thank you for reminding for that. La- thank you for reminding last year's season. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, <laughs> you know, I tell you what, it's going to be tough, man. You know, we always have some arsenals there. We always have some talent there. But I think it depends how the coaches develop the players and how how the players get on the field and play and execute. You know, we always have talent. It's just a matter of fact, can we get it done on the field? We have guys there. We'll find out very soon.
2: Corey, one of those guys uh, who's going to have to step up is Brandon Wimbush. Uh, followed him in high school. He's not far. He didn't grow up far from our studio here in New York City. Uh, I have high expectations. What have you heard uh, from the folks in South Bend?
4: I've heard he's done very well. I've heard he's been with receivers. He's been on point uh, with the offense. He's been on point. So I'm excited to see his maturation. I'm excited to see him play uh, because I've, I've been hearing about him for many years now, and now he get this shine. So if he can lead this offense, I, I know we can score points. I'm not really worried about that. My concern is defense. We, you know, we lost a lot of guys last year, so that's going to be this question mark. But hopefully, hopefully, we, we have some guys there who played last year who are young who come in there and step up and get the job done, and maybe we can have a great season. See what happens.
0: Corey, I really admired your game back in the day in the mid-90s from 96 to 98. I mean, your group of linebackers, yourself, Laurent Cobbins, uh, Kanan Tatum, I mean, that group physical. I mean, you wore the visors, you wore the single digits. When you look, I mean, that's what it's all about. When you look at Notre Dame's rush defense last year, Corey, they allowed 180 rushing yards per game. I really think this team, from a physicality perspective, really needs to get back to basics. How do you see it for this group in 2017?
4: I totally agree with you. I, I totally agree. I, I think physicality is number one. Number two, we had a mindset when I was there. We had a mindset when I was there. Third down, get off the field. Right, I don't care if it's third and one or third and eighteen. You got to find a way to get off the field, and that has to be really, you know, echoed throughout this season. You know, I think with a new staff, of course, uh, with, with some players there who were there last year who played, who got a taste of what, it, what it's all about. I really believe we're gonna be better. You know, I'm not sure if we'll be, you know, the, the Alabama the Alabama type caliber defense, but I really believe we'll be better. I believe our offense will score points, and I believe, I really do, that our defense will, will keep guys out the end zone. So we'll see what happens.
2: New defensive coordinator Mike Elko, uh, successful everywhere he's been, including uh, at Wake Forest. Uh, how long does it take before the personnel gets accustomed to the new terminology? Uh, you know, the new approach of a coaching staff.
4: Sure, you know it, it could take it could take months. You know, you know they had training camp, they had spring. You know, they had you know kind of uh, I'm sure different types of meetings here or there. So hopefully, hopefully. They got terminology down very well. They, they got the grass down very well. Now it's about going to play because you and I both know, you know, football is not the reaction, right? Let's go play. Right? If I'm thinking about where I got to go, that's no bueno, right? So hopefully they can put it in, the, in their ears back and get after quarterbacks, you know, get after the running backs and have some fun and really dominate.
0: Corey, when you look at Notre Dame, I felt like even when they changed the field from uh, grass to AstroTurf, the tradition. They lost the tradition of what Notre Dame was all about. And then when you look at last year, teams like Duke, Virginia Tech, Stanford went in there and beat Notre Dame on their home field. Do you feel like teams fear Notre Dame, especially in South Bend?
4: No, I don't. I I think a lot of the mystique, unfortunately, is gone, especially when teams like that come in your own house and beat you. Um, I, I think the new field should have been better for us. We have a lot of speed guys, so we should be running up and down the field with these guys. So, again, at the end of the day, you can have all the talent in the world. If they're not developed correctly and don't play as a team, as a unit, you know, and don't play for us, it doesn't really matter. And it showed last year. So, hopefully, again, I hope this this spring, I hope this summer, you know, guys have bought into the system, bought into Brian Kelly, bought into, into the, new, the new coordinator. And I really hope it shows on the field. I know guys like myself and other Northern fans across the globe. Are itching for excitement, itching for a great year.
2: What is the uh, general feeling about Brian Kelly? I mean, there's been talk whether it's fair or not that this is a make or break season for him. But what does the Irish family feel about Brian Kelly heading into this season, Corey?
4: Yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tough question, man. I think you have some guys who, who really like him, and you have some guys who are, are on the fence with him. You know, I, I've met him once; I don't know him very well. When I met him, was, was a great guy when I, I talked to him. Um, you know, he, he's had success where, where he's been in the past. Uh, for some reason it hasn't been it hasn't really you know played over here at Notre Dame and I'm not sure why that is. I think the hell of co- I think the I really do. I think he uh he, he has the mindset, you know, he has the ability, he has the scheme to get it done. We've had players, we've had players. So we'll find out what's this year. But uh you know, you, you say, Okay, well, get rid of Kelly, well who's out there? You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean you think about it, there's nobody that's gonna come say I don't think it's about a coach. I think it's about every player buying into the system, winning games, and have success.
0: Corey, uh, you talk about coaches, and your former coach. Uh, Bob Davey now having great success at New Mexico. He seems like a player's coach and really has brought great success to the Lobos, 9-4 and four last year. What can you tell the fans about f- your former coach and Bob Davey and how his career has now been resurrected uh, with the Lobos? Listen, at the end of the day, any...
4: any- any job at Notre Dame is, 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 a, is a, you know, a job, right? right? And he had the opportunity to be uh, my coach for two years uh, after Lou Holtz' departure, and it, it wasn't, wasn't easy for him. It, w- it, wasn't, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was not easy. The very, very demanding. Uh, he got to a place where probably has a little more leeway, let him, a little more say. So uh, he's gotten he's gotten the guys in there that he wants to win, so he's having success. And so I really believe uh, that he'll keep having success. I spoke to him a couple times last year, uh, rooting for him. Uh, but at the end of the day you know it's really all about getting getting the right people you know and you know at the right time to jail and he's doing that very well
2: Corey, how much has uh your football career played a part in your non-football career i always look at athletes and the way they prepare the discipline the overall mindset the competitiveness oftentimes you see those individuals have success away from football how has how has it helped you uh 20 years after your career ended
4: Oh, it's been huge for me. You know, I'm an entrepreneur. I own a couple of companies, uh, and football has taught me so many life lessons. So, for me, it's been absolutely amazing. You know, I give everything to football because without football, you know, I wouldn't be the man I am today as a, as a husband, you know, as a father, as a Christian, and as an entrepreneur, you know, and, and as someone in the community who's trying to do great things. So, football for me, you know, was a savior. Uh, you know, I, I'm thankful. I found it early. My mom got me involved, and, and i tell you what, it's been a blessing in my house for sure.
0: Corey, I know you're one of the best motivational speakers out there. You mentioned the companies that you have, but what is the best piece of advice you can give younger athletes as they make the transition from high school to college, and more importantly, from college to the NFL?
4: I think from high high school to college, is, is be who you are. Right. Be who you are. So, number one, if you're if you had a great work ethic, keep that work ethic. Right. If you were if you study very well in the classroom, keep studying very well. Don't let college change you. Don't let new friends and new groups you hang out change what got you to where you are to be successful. From college to pro, realize that school is over with. It's a business now. So to understand this, taking care of your body. Right. Being mentally sharp. Right. Because if you, if you go down or, or you're not right, you don't do things right. Someone's right behind. You take your place. So realizing that you know, right now at, at, at the NFL level, you know, it's a very small line, right, for those guys who you know, aren't, weren't, you know, first, second round draft picks. It's a very small line. So really, really being on top of your game, on top of your craft, taking care of your body, watching the film, studying, and becoming a student of the game. If, if you keep doing those same things that got, got you where you are in high school and college, the NFL, you have great success, bone injury.
0: Corey, love the insight, love the intensity. We, we hope you enjoyed it today, and we love to get you on as the Notre Dame Fighting Irish navigate through the 2017 season.
4: Guys, you know I love being on your show. Any, anytime you need me, just let me know. I'll, I'll be on. Anybody, if anybody cancels on you and I can get on, I'm, I'm always happy to serve you guys. Man, you guys are awesome, and I appreciate you guys.
0: Former Notre Dame captain, Corey Miner, I love that group. I'll tell you. And just when you think about the group, and he played with Bertrand Barry for Arizona. He played with Laurent Cobb as number six. Bertrand Berry was thirteen. Kenan Tatum number two, and Corey Miner number four. That was the group. They they looked like Darth Vader when mm. they played. And and he mentioned Davy, and we got so many takes on Notre Dame. No more. No more. You know. Notre Dame's up here anymore.
2: They're not. Yeah, even even in South Bend. I mean, you would think that that it's a place where people are afraid to come, and you did not get that impression. That kind of candor is really important to keep in mind, and that's what Brian Kelly has to instill back into this program. It's more than just wins and losses.
0: And that's what st- uh, starts to circulate when your team is four and eight now, and now you have former standouts like this saying there's no intensity. You're definitely on the hot seat with comments like that. So uh, it's interesting to see what Notre Dame goes through in 2017. I picked them at four and eight, but we'll see what happens when we come back. Gabe Marenzi joins us. We'll be talking the gambling angle for week number one. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. week one just three hours away from kickoff we talked about the first four games on the docket later today but now we're going to navigate through some other games next week what better way to do that than with our gambling guru from game time decisions he's live on the fantasy sports celebrity guest line want to welcome in Gabe Morenci Gabe how are you my friend
1: I don't know, Joe, guru is a pretty strong word. Do we use uh degenerate? Guru's pretty angry, you
2: know. I love that word degenerate. I, I grew up with one, a lot of degenerates. Yeah. Okay.
0: You
1: know what's funny? I've always said about college football. And I you know, specifically college football. I'm like, after a rough Saturday I'm losing money sometimes, I'm like, man. College football is just like a woman—you can love them, but they're not going to love you back automatically.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, the good news is is that they're—they're they're like women. Another one comes along every fifteen minutes. Somebody told me that oh, once in this past. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, there, the you ha- there you have it.
1: Oh, Gabe. There's a saying in the gambling industry, they play the National Anthem every night. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, Unless you're calling Kaepernick. Yeah. That's another story.
0: Well, we got your take on the four games uh, or later today. We're going to navigate a, about the game on Thursday night, a big one. Yeah. And, you know, and just for
1: the record, I just wanted to clarify, too. When I said... I'm going to ride the overs in all four of these games only because it is week one and we have some really tricky spreads today. For the record, I do like Hawaii. I don't understand that line movement, why UMass are favored up to three points uh, right now. I think Hawaii can get it, but I trust the fact that these offenses are going to be able to move the ball. You don't need a preseason to be able to score in week one, so I trust that the totals more today. I think we can, I think three of these four games will go over the number today, but let's let's move on to next week.
0: Yeah, and I'm with you with Hawaii, so we spoke about that i think that's a great pick uh as an underdog uh, against umass a little bit later uh today but ohio state and indiana this is my upset special gabe we spoke about it earlier i love indiana plus the 20 and a half more importantly i even like them on the money line i'm taking a shot 31 24 is my score i'm not sold on jt barrett and the buckeyes entering 2017
1: you know i'll tell you what there's two things i wouldn't want to do tell donald trump he can't tweet anymore and bet against urban meyer coming off an embarrassing shutout loss you know i just think that they've had all summer long to stew about this urban meyer never been shut out uh before and i apologize for the noise i'm just on my way to the fantasy uh show big uh, fantasy sports convention so i'm outside the train station uh right now you know we talk about this it's there's some. This is a tough point spread. You know, no one's getting rich laying three touchdowns on the road. I'm going to revert back to the total uh, once again. The total's 56 for this football game. You know, people criticized the Ohio State offense last year. You know what? They still put 39 points uh, per game up on the board. I think JT Barrett's going to be a better pocket passer uh, this year. Listen, they just have to hand the ball off to, to Mike Weber. I know uh, that Indiana are loaded on the defensive side of the football. I get that. Uh, but I still don't think they're going to be able to contain um, Ohio State. I don't think they're going to be able to stop Ohio State from getting into the 40s. So can Indiana get into the mid-20s? Probably. You know, I'm not in a hurry to lay uh, 20 and a half on the road, but 56 feels a little bit low to me. You know, conversely, so you look at Oklahoma State and Tulsa, there's a 74 on the board. I was expecting a total in the 60s in this football game. You know, Indiana will be able to score 17, 21, 24 points. I mean, Joe, if you're calling Indiana to win this game outright, they're not winning this game 17, 14, are they? No, I picked 31-24. You know, points on the board. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, well, 31-24 would be slightly under the 56. But if Indiana's going to win, it means they're going to be scoring to me. they got to score 30-plus. So I like the over 56 in this football game. But without being stated, I lean Ohio State more so uh, than Indiana here. I don't want a guy coaching his first game as a head coach going up against a pissed-off Urban Meyer a, 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 and an Ohio State team, quite frankly, that I think is going to go 12-0 in the regular season. How about
2: a pissed-off Kevin Wilson? You think he's a little ticked that he got fired by the, by Indiana, and now he's the offensive coordinator of Ohio State? He might have a pebble in his shoe yeah, as I, well.
1: How about the symmetry there? And has, that's another thing. Has Urban Meyer ever, like, taken a pedal off the metal? If he wasn't a football coach, he'd be a NASCAR driver. Uh, you know, like, you know, we're talking about Urban Meyer that's ran fake punts before, uh, you know, against Bowling Green up 48. Uh, that's a great point that you raise, uh, Rich. There's, you know, there's some interesting uh, symmetry. You look at that coaching staff, not to mention, you know, you, you bring in a, a, a Greg Schiano uh, as well. This, this is a stacked uh, staff uh, right now great point that you raise about revenge factor and that's the type of stuff you know that coaches stick together rich as you know so Meyer wouldn't mind throwing him a little bit of a bone there I just think you know you look at Urban Meyer and his track record coming off a bye week preparing for a bowl game opening football games in his career they've got game tape to look at what Indiana does all summer long but I do think the game goes over 56 points I really do
0: Yeah, that's an interesting take, Gabe. I mean, one game that I'm looking at, and I know we're high on this team, is Oklahoma State and Tulsa. Oklahoma State, a 17-point favorite over the Golden Hurricane. I love Oklahoma State this year to make the playoff. I love them to win the Big 12. But more importantly, without their quarterback, Tulsa, four-year starter, Dane Evans, and their top two leading wide receivers from last year, I love the Cowboys to roll and cover this number in week number one.
1: We're going to learn a lot about this Oklahoma State Cowboy football team. You know, we can talk all – people can talk all they want, and Oklahoma State and Gundy will oh, give us the win back uh, with, with Chips last year and the, and the Chippewas. You know what? you got to put yourself in that position. I watched that football game. You know, this is the thing, and you know, you're know you right, Joe. You and I talked about the, the Cowboys coming into this year. This is their opportunity right now. With Stoop stepping down, you guys are loaded. You've got the best uh, three-headed monster uh, in college football by far, running back, quarterback, and wide receiver, you and I. And I know Rich is high on Mason Rudolph as well, dark horse for the Heisman uh, trophy. But over the years, Gundy and this program have found a way to not win football games that they should. And, you know, they, they, everything's on the table for these guys this year. If they come out and smash Tulsa, I'm going to say, you know what, I think this team can win the Big 12. And I'm not saying that, ooh, because they beat Tulsa, but it's the mindset, the mentality. I don't want to see a struggle. I want to see the defense dominate. I want to see a win 56, you know, to 22. Drill them. You know, go out there and drill them and show people that you really are one of the best teams in the country. I think they can do just that.
2: Uh, Tulsa obviously breaking in a new starting quarterback. I like Philip Montgomery. I mean, I'm, I don't know how much you've uh, followed his career, but he's one of the young coaches in college football. Comes from Baylor. Has uh, done a great job with up-tempo offenses. But my concern in this week one is, I don't think they've even decided on a quarterback yet. And, and that's that to me is a real yeah. red flag for Tulsa.
1: Yeah, it, it really is. You know, similar situation with the Florida Gators. What's the saying in football? You know, they're saying, "Well, you know." You've got uh, if you got two starting quarterbacks and you don't have one more good one, right? And you know that that's almost an instance. There's a couple of programs like that actually that it's coming down to the wire that they don't know who's going to be at the quarterback position. And you're exactly right, Rick. You know, do you want do you want a kid quarterback uh, making his first start in a situation like this? Try to trade points with Mason Rudolph and company. And, you know, the Cowboys know everything I just stated as well. If I'm Gundy, I tell them this is this could be a special year for us, guys, but we can't be lethargic. Oklahoma State, as I stated, they have a tendency to play up or down to the level of competition. Uh, over the years, and I've seen this, uh, I've seen this repeatedly with this program. You know, they have to send a message, send a message to you know to us, to the gamblers, to send a message to the voters in the college football world. You know what? We we are a legitimate powerhouse, and powerhouses tattoo teams. They don't struggle with teams like Tulsa. You know, like you said, Dane Evans is in the National Football League uh, right now. It's an opportunity for Oklahoma State to make a statement. I think they do. I think we have like a 28 point blowout. I, I you know. I'd be shocked if they don't win this football game 56-30 to or something like that.
0: Gabe, there's another game on the same night that Ohio State plays Indiana and Oklahoma State plays Tulsa. And I I like this from an underdog perspective. New Mexico State on the road against Arizona State. Todd Graham, in my opinion, he's on the hot seat. And you look at this Arizona State team, Gabe. They had the worst passing secondary in college football. They gave up 357 passing yards per game. This was a team that was 4-0 and at the start of the year, right? They rushed for over 150 yards in every ball game. The last eight games of the year, they were 1-7, failed to rush for over 150 the rest of the way I like Larry Rose Jr. the third and I like the passing offense of New Mexico State to keep this game close they're getting 23 and a half I think this could be an upset special.
1: Man, and I called myself a degenerate. show. <laughs> I said, I'm, "You're rolling out. You're rolling out Aggie games." I didn't even know they were still playing. I didn't know they still had a D one team. <laughs> they don't know no, either, to know, be honest. Y- Yeah, uh, you know, I tell you, I did a Sunbelt conference preview the other day. Listen, I can tell you guys a lot about college football, but I think I could have uh, trouble if you sat me down and started to play what conference are certain teams in uh, right now. And you look look at the Sunbelt, and and, uh, man, there's been a a shift there. But, you know, I I, I disagree with you, Joe. There's no way in hell I'd be laying, pardon the pun, with the Sun Devils, uh, but um, there's no way I'd be laying that type of points with this football team. I think I think there's a distinct possibility that both Graham and Rodriguez are both done at the end of the year. I guarantee you, as a betting man, you, you can bet this stuff which NFL coach will get fired, etc. But you know, I think Rich Rod's in for a tough year this year, and so is Arizona State uh, as well. I, I'll, I'll, you know, this that is the definition of a D.J. special. But I like where you're going though with that one. Uh, Joe. I'll take the plus twenty-three and a half points there.
0: Gabe, it's always a pleasure. We love to get you on. We're, you're going to be with us each and every week breaking down your best bets. Do you have something else you're looking at before we head to break? You, you know what? Well, I'm fired up for next
1: week, and I will be in Las Vegas next week, uh, guys, so I'll be able to bring some of the flavor and the atmosphere live from the sports books uh, next uh, Saturday morning. Can't wait for the game. I do have my eye on this Ohio State game a lot, and being a Michigan fan. I'm chomping at the bit right now for this Gator game, but uh, the games have been taken off the board uh, due to the, the uncertainty of the Florida Gator quarterback situation.
0: Great information from Gabe Morenci. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live from New York, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Uh, this day has gone by too far, too quick, too fast, five minutes left, but two and a half hours to kick off Joe Lisi, Ritz Sermonello, great insight from Gabe Morenzi. I love Oklahoma State, Rich, today, uh, next week. I know you do as well, but I want to turn our attention uh, to Washington and Rutgers' local flair here with the, the Scarlet Knights. This is a team that got blasted by Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State last year by a total score of 224 to nothing. They lost last year in Seattle. Now they get the Huskies and Jake Browning in their home stadium, can Kyle Bowen and Gus Edwards make that much of a difference against this Huskies defense? I don't think so.
2: No, I don't think so either. (laughs) I I think Washington is the class of the Pac-12. I love their physicality. Players like... Vita Vea and Azim Victor, you mentioned Jake Browning, Miles Gaskin out of the backfield. There's there's such a preponderance of talent that Washington has, a clear step ahead of Rutgers. Now, listen, I, I think Rutgers will be more competitive because you can't possibly be less competitive as a Big Ten team, but those additions, when you bring in veterans, you mentioned Kyle Bolin under center, Gus Edwards, who I liked at Miami, a big running back, big physical back, uh, played the fullback position, I believe, for for Jerry Kill. Rutgers will be mildly more competitive. They get the game at home in Piscataway as opposed to Seattle, but listen... U-Dub is geared up for another title run, and I think they'll prove it against an overmatched Rutgers team.
0: Yeah, I think they win this game convincingly. Here's the thing you want to keep an eye out for uh, for Rutgers in this matchup, the transition. Now, Kyle Bowen came from Louisville. Uh, he's a prototypical drop-back passer. You mentioned Gus Edwards that comes from Miami. He'll be the fullback here with, with new offensive coordinator Jerry Kill, and it's what we talked about with P.J. Fleck and Minnesota. They're going to want to run the football to keep opposing offenses off the field. That's the only way Rutgers can be competitive because last season they tried wide open offense with Janorian Grant. He got hurt. They can't play that style because he Chris Ash hasn't recruited depth at every position yet.
2: Well, two names I'd like to piggyback off of is second year for Chris Ash. I think he's a good coach in a tough situation, but second year for coaches in general tends to be a positive. He now has a he has a better feel for what he needs to do as a head coach. He knows his personnel better. That's number one. Janorian Grant, by the way, very talented football player. Missed most of last season, back this season. That should help. That Rutgers offense again. I think they take a step forward this season. Is it a dramatic enough step to to become bowl eligible? I don't think so.
0: No, I think I, I think they're three three years away at least. And what you have to keep in state talent, guys like Jabril Peppers and Rashawn Gary, that came from Bergen County and went to a Big Ten school with Jim Harbaugh in Ann Arbor. Until they could get that type of talent in state at Rutgers. They're not going to be competitive at if the Big Ten level. If you can't
2: keep the Joe Lisi caliber athlete in Bergen <laughs> County, my friend, you are not competing in the Big Ten. That's what Chris Ash has to know. And and listen, I, I've I've lived most of my life in this area. I know Rutgers football. Why would you go to Rutgers if you can go to Tennessee or Georgia or Michigan or Ohio State? That's what the Scarlet Knights are dealing with. I wish they were back in a group of five conference. That's where they're more competitive. I know it doesn't help the balance sheet and the income statement, but Rutgers belongs in an American athletic conference, not in the big 10.
0: Quick comments on a quarterback we haven't mentioned, Riley Ferguson, over 3,800 yards last year, 32 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. They open up against UL Monroe. He could
2: possibly be a Heisman contender as well, just like Quentin Flowers. Yeah, the Memphis offense, I like Ferguson, love the receiver Anthony. Anthony Miller and Mike Norvell. We talked a little bit about Philip Montgomery at Tulsa. If you're looking for young head coaches who could get promotions soon, Mike Norvell at Memphis is one of those guys.
0: Stay with us each and every Saturday, 9 to 12 Eastern, right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network for Rick Sermonello. This is Joe Lisi. Enjoy the games. We'll see you next Saturday.